0: Hi, and welcome to Hydrant Church Online. We are so glad to take a few minutes and worship with you, whether it's morning or evening, or you're riding along in a car, or walking, or on your workout, or sitting together as a family on the couch. What I'd love for you to do is just take a minute and look at whoever you're with, and just tell them, you look good today. Go ahead, I'll stop, I'll wait, take a look, just say, you look good. Now, if someone just said that to you, I want you to look back dead in the eyes and say, who cares? Really, who cares? Now, especially because this is on video, I can't see you, no one else can see you. It doesn't matter how you dressed, whether you brushed your teeth or fixed your hair, whether you're sitting there with oatmeal on your chin or not. It really doesn't matter. But hydrant has always been this kind of place where we share grace with one another and allow people to come and search for Christ. And that's why we've been in this series of messages called Elephant in the Room. We've been looking at the stories of David because David is described as a man after God's heart. God knew his heart, but we see in David's story good and bad and ugly. We see times where he excelled in family life and times where he bombed and he messed it all up, not just for himself, but for his kids, grandkids, and the generations that would come after. And by looking at his life, we can kind of begin to understand the things that are happening in our own lives. It's not always easy to take this look in the mirror it requires us to be candid and courageous, to be real about what's happening in our homes, in ourselves, in our families, and then be courageous enough to deal with it. The beauty of of this whole thing is that when we finally get candid, when we name our elephants, when we identify them and point them out, they leave the room and there's a chance to breathe and deal with the real problem but as long as we're pretending we are allowing elephants to become the family pet and many of us have we've allowed we've allowed addiction we've allowed fear we've allowed abuse we've allowed insecurity we've allowed Belittling, We've allowed arguing. We've allowed so many things to exist in our families as those unspeakable things, the things that nobody's allowed to talk about, nobody's allowed to bring up. And we expect everyone else to walk on eggs around us because we, we refuse to deal with the elephants. So we challenged ourselves last week to be candid and courageous and begin to name our Elephants. We want to continue in this series by by taking a look at, at some of the most common elephants that exist within families today. And today, right here from the beginning, I, I want to kind of jump into one of the topics that doesn't seem like it's all that important. And it doesn't seem like it's that big a deal, but I think it's the biggest of deals. I think it's the thing that is holding back. So many families talk about belittling the ways that we talk to one another. We can't be who we were created to be as long as there is belittling going on in our families. The reason that belittling is so important for us to talk about is that belittling and belonging can't exist in the same family. They can't exist in the same workplace. They can't exist in the same relationship. As long as there is belittling, there's not belonging. And what we need maybe most from our families is the safety and security of belonging. I had uh, two brothers. I'm the oldest of the three of us, and we fought all the time growing up, I probably got along better with the youngest and less with the middle. We fought and and really just kind of struggled to like each other at times. Now, Today, we have the utmost respect for my brother is smart and he 's kind and he 's generous and a remarkable man. But when we were young i didn 't always think that way, and we certainly didn 't Talk to each other that way. We have all kinds of stories of, of, of waking each other up with cold water, chasing each other with blades. Probably not a story that we talk about very much. Some of these kind of things that, that really happen in family that maybe we're not proud of. Now, our wife has the youngest of three sisters. She was the baby in the family until a little brother came along. And from the stories I hear, I think sisters may be worse than brothers. There's something going on there that can be uh, painful, that can be challenging. Um, but I, I look now and and he and her sisters have great relationships. If we look at David and his life, He's the youngest of several brothers. And he and his brothers, there's something going on. Now we're first introduced to them in 1 Samuel chapter 16. They are the sons of Jesse. And God has sent the prophet Samuel to Jesse's farm, to Jesse's homestead to find the next king of Israel. Saul has failed. He hasn't done what God wanted him to do. He wasn't a man after God's heart. So so God is choosing a new king. And as Samuel walks up to the property, he sees Eliab. Eliab is Jesse's oldest son and he's tall and he's strong and he's remarkable. And it says in first Samuel chapter 16, verse six, that when they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Something really interesting going on with Eliab. He looks Good. From the outside, he even impresses the prophet Samuel. He seems like somebody who has his life together. He seems like someone who would be king. Everything looked great on the outside. But when God looked at him, his heart wasn't good. While, while he looked good on the outside, the inside was rotten. It's way more important. For us to look good on the inside than on the outside. We can play games, we can pretend, we can put on a show, but unless we're submitted to God in our heart, we're not going to be who we were meant to be. As the story continues to unfold here, we see that, that, that Samuel looks at each of Jesse's sons from the oldest to the youngest and none of them measure up to God's standard. And so he sends for David. David is the forgotten brother, the youngest brother. He's out taking care of the sheep and there he has protected those sheep from bear and lion. He has, he has guarded the family's resources, but often is left out there to take care of the sheep. Unimportant, unimpressive. And they send for David. And as soon as Samuel sees David, God says to him, this is your man. This is the one. And so right there in front of his brothers and everyone else, that's, it says that right there in first, in front of his brothers and everyone else who had gathered, Samuel takes the olive oil that he's brought with him and he anoints David as the next king of Israel. I'm not quite sure how it went down. I wouldn't have wanted to be Samuel and to look at Eliab and say, God rejected you. And then look at his little brother and say, you're the next king of all of Israel. God is with you and His Spirit is upon you. Something began, I think, at this time and the, the relationship between Eliab and David that continues on, and we see it just a chapter later in 1 Samuel chapter 17. You see, this story is in the early life of David. We talked about those four seasons of David's life, the early life, and then this kind of in-between families where he's left his family of origin. He's yet to start his own. And then the seven years when he is the king of Judah, And then the years after that where he's king over all 12 tribes of Israel. This is early on. Something happens in this family of origin that we can learn from. If we continue on, we find that what this, one of the next chapters is the story of David where David is brought to Saul's attention and he begins his rise of popularity in the favor of God. All of David's brothers have gone off to war now. And they stand there across a ravine as a giant named Goliath taunts the army of Israel with, with all kinds of threats. He mocks them and makes fun of them. And David, David just brings his brothers some resources, some sandwiches, bread and cheese, you know, who who doesn't want a grilled cheese, right? Like you probably are thinking, that's probably what I want now. Good grilled cheese sandwich. Don't You can stop the video and need, go make one if you need to and come back. We'll be here. Go make your grilled cheese and come back and you'll feel just like Eliab there on the battlefield as his little brother brought him bread and cheese and he hears. It says in chapter 17 that he hears Goliath mocking them and says, Who is this guy? And why is he mocking them? And he asked some of the soldiers, Is there a reward for killing him? And here's what happens in chapter 17, beginning at verse 28. It says, But when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to them, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway? He demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. And it's in this moment he starts just cutting David down to size, belittling him. You've got a few little sheep to go take care of. What are you doing here? I know your heart. You're prideful and deceitful. You just want to see what's going on. You just feel like you need to be in the know. This and just starts just mocking and just belittling and just cutting him down to size in front of everyone around him. And then David's replies, What have I done now? What have I done to upset you this time? We see this kind of it kind of reveals this pattern that must have existed between them where David felt like he never quite measured up, was constantly being put down and belittled by Eliab. And he replies, I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. And then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. This is some family ugly going on. It can go on in any of our families. It can go on between husbands and wives and parents and kids and siblings. This cutting people down to size. His brother just shut him down. Sometimes we have this tendency to just demean one another, to knock each other for our dreams or our ambitions, the things that we're good at or not good at. And we just have a tendency to be like Eliab. And I wonder sometimes what happened and where it begins. There's this jealousy and anger and bitterness that that causes Eliab to belittle David. And I think that I think that if jealousy comparison Coveting, any of that happens in the family, then it's gonna lead, it's gonna lead to us being ungrateful and blind and eventually belittling. Whenever there's comparison and jealousy, wanting what someone else in the family has, whether we want to look like they do or be like they are or think like they do, or even if we're encouraged to act like our older brother or sister. Then it's gonna to lead to being ungrateful. It's gonna lead to blindness. It's gonna to lead to, to belittling. Think about this ungrateful for the people around us. Lack of gratitude, it always comes with comparison. There was a a season when we first started Hydrant Church that I would stand on this stage and look out at a room that felt to me like it was full of empty chairs. I would look out at the, the 15 or 25 people who were in the room as I was teaching and I would be upset about empty chairs, ungrateful for the 15 or 25 who were here. You see, I couldn't see the truth. I couldn't see that there were 15 or or 25 men and women who had given up their morning to be here and be a part of what was happening at Hydrant Church. I couldn't see the the 15 or 25 people as people who who believed in me, believed in God, and believed in what He was going to do in this place. All I could see was the empty chairs. I was looking at the wrong place. I was looking at the empty places. And for many of us, comparison begins when we start to look at the empty places in our lives. We stare at the empty chairs. We feel like uh, we've not been given what someone else has been given. We feel like we've not been given opportunities or resources or personality or the looks or the gifting. And all we can see is the emptiness. And we fail to build on what's there. Instead of... Things turned for me when I, when instead of looking at the empty chairs, instead of looking at the empty room, I started to see again the 15 or the 25 people. And God said, love and serve and teach them. Build on what's here. Build on their passion. Build on their joy. Build on this opportunity. Pour into this place and these people and watch what I'll do. Watch how I'll multiply it. It's not about you. It's not about what's not here. It's not about the emptiness. You need to see what's really there. And as long as we're ungrateful because we're comparing what we don't have to what someone else has, we're unable to build on who we are, what we've been given, the opportunities we have and the people around us. And it makes us blind. It makes us blind. The truth is that Eliab couldn't see David and he couldn't see himself. He couldn't see himself as someone who looked good on the outside, but whose inside was rotten. And so he looked at his brother David and he thought it must be his fault. He's deceitful. He's prideful. And he began to to project everything that was going on in his heart onto David's heart. And assume the worst in him and the worst in others. And we do the same thing when we compare. So not only does it make us ungrateful and blind, it turns us into people who feel the need to belittle others. You can watch it happen right there in 1 Samuel chapter 17, as Eliab begins to speak to David. And he does everything he can to make him feel and look small in the eyes of others. He starts to talk to him about, what are you even doing here? You're nobody. Go back to those few sheep. You're unimportant. Your work is unimportant. And you almost watch as he just begins to shrink in that moment and just says, what have I done now, Elliot? What have I done now? You imagine that feeling of just deflation. And it's so important for us to call out the elephant of belittling in our home in ourselves to take time to reflect and to think on the ways about the ways that we speak to others the way that we speak to our spouse our coworkers our kids the way that our kids speak to each other and to to call out this elephant of belittling because there is this simple truth that belittling and belonging are never in the same family if there is belittling there is not belonging, and if there is belonging, it's because there is not belittling going on in the family. Like, just think maybe you maybe you've heard of, of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you kind of look at that, he he says that within our our makeup as human beings that the the most basic needs that we all have are physiological we need food we need water we need shelter we need those things the next thing is safety we need to be able to to deal with personal security employment resources get the things that we need and then the next is love and belonging So after physiological needs and safety needs are met, the most important thing that every one of us as human beings is looking for is belonging. And after belonging, as you continue to move up, this hierarchy of needs is self-esteem and self-actualization. And the truth is, we as human beings can't build self-esteem if we don't have belonging. And self-actualization, let's just put that into terms of of kind of a biblical world. We can't become who God created us to be. You see, from the very beginning, He created us for one another. He said it's not good for men and women to be alone. We're designed for family, designed for belonging, designed for connection. And there in that place of belonging, we build self-esteem and we rise to become Who we were created to be. But without that belonging, we're stuck. We're stuck in between. We're not safe. We're always on guard. We're always a little worried. We're always looking out over our shoulders and wondering what's going to come at us next. We're always on the defensive, ready to run. It's exhausting. And and there's this simple truth that if there is not belonging in your home, everyone in your home will be looking for belonging somewhere else. Let's get brutally honest about this. Many, many affairs begin right here with belittling. When a spouse belittles another, they feel small, unappreciated, unvalued in their relationship, and then that man or that woman at work or, or at the bar or in the community or at the gym begins to compliment and value and build up. They're drawn to it. We're all drawn to belonging. It's why belittling has no place in the family. It's why it's such a big deal. So let's use baseball as an analogy. Personally, I don't watch a lot of baseball. Years ago, when Anita and I got married, we made a deal. I watch every Duke basketball game that comes on TV and I don't watch a lot of other sports. Now, now my son, as he's kind of hit his teenage years, gotten into sports, gotten to watch a lot more sports without violating the deal, so I'm spending time with Noah. And baseball, baseball, unfortunately, is not one of those sports that really either one of us is into. But But it makes a great picture of how it can feel to be in a family where belonging exists, and also one where belittling exists. So here's how it works. You get that base hit from the from home plate and you run to first base. And as soon as you get there, the umpire makes a signal and says, safe. And that runner will stand on that base. And almost every time you can watch them, they just sigh. This moment of relief. They can relax. They don't have to run. They're not on guard. They're not worried. They're standing on that base safe. Same thing happens when they go to steal second or run to third. They'll run with everything they've got to get from one base to the next because they know in between the bases is a dangerous place. It's a dangerous place. It's risky. It's where they can get thrown out. It's where where any number of things can happen. And they have to be on their guard. And they have to be worried and watched out for those who are coming against them until they get to second base. Slide in, dust off. (sighs) Safe again. Our homes should be like those bases. We should get home at night, hang up the keys and sigh. This is a place where we don't have to be on guard, where we can relax. We can be ourselves. We don't have to worry about what anybody else is thinking, what anybody else is going to say or what anybody else is going to do. This is a safe place. But for too many of us, we've allowed the elephant of belittling to live with us. And that giant elephant is sitting on the base and we're stuck in between the bases now. We're worried. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know who's going to say what. Who's going to come against us? Who's going to belittle us? Who's going to berate us? Who's going to attack us? What we're going to have to deal with. We're stuck. Always living between the bases. Because we've allowed a giant elephant in the room. And he's taking up all the safe space. It's key that your home and my home be an elephant free zone where there is no belittling, where it can be a safe place to finally really be safe, to take risks, to try to be you, to laugh at ourselves and not worried about being demeaned or dismissed. It's key to our kids being who they are meant to be, to our marriages being what they're meant to be, to our relationships, to our workplaces being what they're meant to be. There can't be belittling because it gets us stuck between the bases. We're gonna all have to go out into the world. We're gonna to go to school, we're gonna to go to work, we're gonna get on Facebook, and we're gonna to have to deal with being on guard and watching our back and wondering who's gonna dismiss us or demean us. We're having to, to fight to be heard. That shouldn't be the case when we get home. Our home needs to be that place that when we come home, it's safe. We can relax. We can let our guard down and prepare to go back out in the world. There is enough belittling and tearing down and dismissing and demeaning going on in the world around us. Our homes cannot be a continuation of that same thing. They have to be the safe places. And listen, if they're not, if your home is not a safe place, then everyone in your home is looking for it somewhere else. And they will do whatever they have to do to find it. It's built into our nature to look for that place, those people with whom we belong. And words are so powerful, right? I me mean, as kids, we all kind of sing or say the whole sticks and stones will break my bones, but, but words will never hurt me. But deep down, even as children... We know that's a lie. We usually say it right about the time that somebody says something hurtful and it does hurt us and it does dig into us. Eliab belittled David and he was ignoring the elephant in the room. Eliab's bitter heart, his comparison and his anger, David had been and he had been rejected. Then things get said and done, and nobody deals with them. Just ignore them. The elephant grows, and the belittling grows. Parents, we can unintentionally contribute to these comparisons, and we have to be careful and on our guard. We have to be courageous and deal with this elephant belittling is no laughing matter james chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 look just take your bibles and turn there use your your phone or device or whatever's in front of you james is there toward the end of your bible hebrews james and look in in chapter 3 beginning at verse 5 it says this a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. For in it, it can be set on fire by hell itself. In our home, we don't have a lot of rules. My kids are still kind of young. But our goal is to never have a lot of rules. The rules are pretty basic right now. We tell the truth and we show each other respect. Really, they're just two components of, of the, the simple rule of love one another. Treat each other with love. When that's the case, we're going to be respectful and we're going to tell the truth. If you want a place of belonging, if you want your home to be a place of belonging, then you can't belittle others. You can't belittle their achievements or accomplishments. You can't belittle their emotions. You can't belittle their fears or their wounds or their hurts or their needs. If something has been done to them, you can't pretend like it hasn't happened. If something they've accomplished has is, is brings them joy, you can't pretend like it doesn't matter. You have to be able to celebrate joy, lift each other up. And as long as you belittle in any way, we are destroying the uniqueness and the beauty and who each of us were created to be and keeping us from rising up into that. There's this great story written by George Rivas in 1940 that I want to read to you. Just listen and and let it kind of sink in as a reminder to value the beauty, the uniqueness, the, the contribution of each person in our family. It reads this way. Once upon a time, the animals decided that they should do something meaningful to meet the problems of the new world. So they organized a school. They adopted an activity curriculum of running and climbing, swimming and flying. Things all animals do. To make it easier to administer all of the animals to all of the subjects. The duck was excellent at swimming. In fact, he was better than his instructor. However, he only made passing marks in flying and was very poor at running. And since he was so slow in running, he had to drop his swimming class and do extra running. This caused his web feet to become badly worn, meaning that he dropped to an average mark in swimming. Fortunately, average was acceptable. Therefore, nobody worried about it except the duck. The rabbit, he started at the top of the class in running, but developed a nervous twitch in his leg muscles because he had so much makeup work to do in swimming the squirrel was excellent in climbing but he encountered constant frustration in flying class because his teacher insisted that he start from the ground up instead of from the treetop down he developed cramps from overexertion so he ended up with a c in climbing and a d in running the eagle the eagle was a real problem he was severely disciplined for being a nonconformist. In climbing class, he beat all of the others to the top, but insisted on using his own way to get there. <laughs> Are you putting your family through this kind of courses? Belittling them for their inability to run when they were designed to swim? Are you belittling them for, for flying to the top of the tree instead of climbing? Are you unable to see them for who they are and therefore destroying the bond that ties you together? Belittling, belittling needs to be called out, named, and dealt with. Find the root. What comparison, what bitterness, what hurt, what wound is hiding beneath there that is causing us to belittle? Listen, we can't allow this in our family. We can't allow this in our relationships. We can't allow this in our church. Hydrant is not one of those churches that is going to sit back and belittle other churches in town. Instead, we're going to find ways to partner together. This is a no-belittling zone. We need to name this elephant joy in who we are and laugh. Laugh at ourselves. Get honest about who you are. Like, just get real. Get candid. Recognize that, that you are wonderfully made with incredible gifts and strengths that are remarkable. Incredibly beautiful things. But there's some quirks. There's some oddities. There's some things that you do that are just not great. And that's Okay. For instance, I I sing at home in the mornings when when I am energized and ready for the day, and no one else is. I'm singing "Good Morning." I'm singing everything. I'm singing while I cook. My kids have even kind of mocked me, I'm like, "Dad, I think you were gifted to teach, not to sing." But I'm going to sing anyway. It's one of those things. It's just odd. I mean, look, Jeff Foxworthy. Jeff Foxworthy has gotten rich by telling jokes on his own people. You might have heard a few of them. You might be a redneck if. a you know, funny thing, I was at Starbucks of all places the other day. Well, actually, it was all the way back at Christmas. And I'm, it's, it was the Sunday of our ugly sweater contest. And I am uh, going there to pick up coffee on the way. And I'm, and I have my ugly shirt on, which is a fish with sand pad and reindeer with fishing rods this hideous thing and and i'm and i stop and the lady asked me out of the blue i've never been asked this question She so you got a beard a truck and you're wearing a shirt with a fish you must be a redneck (laughs) so maybe you're a redneck if you wear a christmas shirt with a fish on it you might be a redneck if you still have that fish that talks we're going to leave it at that and not go down that road because we could all get a little bit lost. But maybe you want to look some up and, and share with your family your favorite you-might-be-a-redneck joke. But the truth is just that. We need to be able to laugh at ourselves. Can you do that in your family? Can you laugh at yourself can you laugh at that weird dance that you do every time you get happy can you laugh at your songs can you laugh at at the one at, at being clumsy can you can you laugh at losing your keys can, can you laugh at those things the truth is if we're willing to share our faults and our and our failures and our laughable moments it doesn't separate us it endears us to one another you and I, we get to choose. We get to choose the kind of environment we create around us. Every one of us creates an environment. And that environment, that environment is either one of belonging or belittling. Is your family, is your environment one of belonging or belittling? Do people feel like more with you or less? Is it a safe place? Maybe you're just taking yourself too seriously. It's time to get candid. Time to get courageous. To call out the elephants. Let's pray. Father, would you guide us? Would you make us courageous? Would you make us Would you make us courageous enough to call out our own elephants, including the belittling, and transform us into those who lift each other up, always creating a place of belonging.